0: Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. My name is Doug Wortham, and I have the distinct pleasure of hosting today's show. Today, we'll speak to both senior enlisted leaders from the Minnesota National Guard. We'll learn about the Veterans Village proposal in Richfield and get an update from the flagline. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey.
1: When people think about the military, they often think about service members deployed overseas. What is unique about the National Guard is their additional roles. During Super Bowl 52, more than 450 soldiers and airmen supported security operations and law enforcement agencies. In 2017, more than 110 Minnesota soldiers and airmen were activated for hurricane relief efforts in Texas, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. In June of 2017, the Minnesota National Guard supported the Minnesota State Patrol on locating three missing paddlers in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. Also, in December of 2017, we opened our armories to several communities to shelter Minnesotans during extreme cold weather. With a force of more than 13,000 strong, we are proud to serve the great state of Minnesota and our nation.
0: Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Joining us in the studio from the Minnesota National Guard is Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson and Command Sergeant Major Stefan Whitehead. Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson is the Minnesota National Guard's Command Senior Enlisted Leader, and Command Sergeant Major Stefan Whitehead is Minnesota Army National Guard's Senior Enlisted Advisor. Chief... Sir Major, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio.
2: Thanks for having
0: us today.
3: It's great to be here, Doug.
0: Yeah, great to have you in the studio. I always love seeing uh, some old familiar, and I stress old, uh, familiar faces, uh, friends from uh, my service, and just great people all around. So again, wonderful to have you in the studio, and, and congratulations to both of you on your recent selections. We'll get into you know what that assignment means here in just a minute, but um, you know, about three months now. I think uh, both of you have been uh, in your new positions. Chief, we had you on a while ago to talk about that transition uh, from CSM uh, Soper. How have the last uh,
2: three months been going for you? Fast. It's been fast and furious, but I tell you, uh, the Army and the air um, have been taking very good care of me. I have a very good battle buddy with uh, Command Sergeant Major Whitehead. He speaks Army to me when my eyes start rolling in the back of my head. He stops everything and tries to explain it. But everybody in the Army has been so welcoming. All the soldiers, uh, they're very excited to meet me. I'm excited to meet them. So it's been really fun so far. But now it's when the rubber meets the road.
0: Yeah, and and, uh, Command Sergeant Major uh, Whitehead, so three months uh, for you as well in this new position. Uh, You know, back in the day... The uh, senior enlisted advisor and then command senior enlisted leader had typically been an Army person, uh, and they had that dual responsibility, right, of overseeing things in the Army and, of course, the joint capacity. But this is new now because we have an Air Force person who's the senior enlisted leader for the Minnesota National Guard. So what's it like, uh, well, one, your first three months, but then two, how, how are you taking this and defining the position uh, for the Army side?
3: Well, as as uh, Command Chief said as well, it's going by so fast, 90 days, and it feels like uh, it's been forever already because how much is going on. But I will tell you, it's been a great learning experience for me to come in from an M-Day time, now my first tour on an AGR tour, and really – Sitting down and looking at the Army and, you know, having a great battle buddy like I do with uh, Command Chief, it's been a great learning experience for me, but I'm able to focus solely on Army stuff and really get after some stuff that uh, the joint piece is great, but having Chief uh, kind of focusing on the joint stuff and all that, it allows me to really hone in on the Army and stuff and things like that.
0: And so, obviously, it's only been uh, three months, and, you know, you're still defining or refining or creating whatever it is, the the position and the responsibilities. But what have you found that you really have to spend most of your time looking at right now as it relates to the Army?
3: Well, for me, I would say the Army has been the AGR in all the different regulations that the AGR does. I mean, Army has so many different regulations and policies, as you know, Doug. And for me coming in being, you know, over 30 years of M-Day leadership— Not really spending that much time focusing on AGR because we had great leaders taking care of it. Now coming and learning that, and we have such a great AGR team, and it's been very helpful for me having the team there to help guide me through and learning all the uh, problems. And we
0: should explain that when you talk about the M-Day, that means you're a traditional soldier uh, one weekend a month, right? I'm using air quotes (laughs) here. Uh, Two weeks out of the year is a general commitment, and then, of course, AGR, the active guard reserve. So transitioning from that part-time to now a full-time person, which... I found to be a great benefit uh, when you're full time because you're there every day and you can really not get into the weeds, but really deep dive into a lot of things going on within the organization.
3: 100% agree, Doug. 100%. All
0: right. And and of course, the benefit is you don't have a full time job somewhere else uh, that you have to worry about. You, you're doing Army stuff full time and getting right. to work with soldiers full time. So that that's great. Um, I, I do want to come back to uh, uh, Chief Erickson, right? So Three months, now you have an Army person that is kind of not working for you. You guys, I know you work together. That's the way things are. Mm -hmm. But you work directly for the adjutant general. That means that you support his priorities. But as a senior enlisted leader, you also have some priorities that align to that, but maybe go a little bit more deeper in detail. So how do you uh, pull CSM Whitehead into the fold to support your initiative?
2: Really, it's a communication piece between the two of us. We try to get together at the beginning of each week and have a sync with each other and know what's on our calendars and what we're going to make a priority this week. What I appreciate about him is he does come to the table with that traditional guardsman view, which is the bulk of our force. So it helps us focus in the right direction. We can't get too tied up in the full-time force. We need to understand it. We need to appreciate it. But in all honesty, it's that drill status guardsman that's coming from Way up in Rosal, coming down to Stillwater for his drill or her drill, and and wondering what does that look like and what does that feel like. But how we do that, we're just open communication. We talk every day. We work right side by side with each other. And honestly, General Mankey has been very kind and uh, accommodating for both of us in that he's letting us just run free and do what we need to do, and we keep reporting in with him. But he's you know he's clipped our wings and said go.
0: Yeah, and that's a great thing about a great leader like mm-hmm. he is, right? Mm-hmm. Here, are your left and right limits. Yep. Just stay within those boundaries, but go do great things because you have to be the eyes and ears for the organization to bring back to him some of those issues or concerns that might be going on throughout the, the whole formation, whether it's Army or Air.
2: Right. Especially, you know, the 133rd here in Minneapolis, we're looking at future mission sets for them with their C-130s and what that looks like and feels like. And I hear him talking about the division getting the division ready for what might be coming down the road. So, I mean, we're both looking at big, huge obstacles that we have to work towards, and it's really kind of the same path that we're walking. It's just I'm talking a little bit about airmen, he's talking all about soldiers, and then we meet in the middle and talk about our airmen and soldiers and how we can best serve them.
0: So, sorry, Major, um, how has it been, not that uh, Lisa Erickson, command chief, is your boss, but— um, you know, on the enlisted side, that's where the pyramid is, right? Mm-hmm. She's yep. at the top of the pyramid for the enlisted side. So, how has that relationship been with you as an Army guy who traditionally we've never had to report to an Air Force person, right, on the enlisted side? So, what's that been like for you? How's that relationship? I'll
3: tell you, it's been great for me. I couldn't ask for a better person to be working beside me. Uh, she's been a great mentor, a great leader. She is a great leader, period. So when I come in and we come up together, you know, she has been able to help me as well as we sit and have conversations about how we should get after. She brings a totally different perspective to things because of her experience in the, in the Minnesota Air National Guard, but as a leader. And it's been great for me to kind of also continue to learn from her as well.
0: So, Chief Erickson, you report directly to the Adjutant General Command Sergeant Major Whitehead, who do you report to on the officer side?
3: I go straight to the Agent General as well. You do? Yep.
0: Okay, so that's an interesting dynamic.
2: Yeah, and it's, and that's what makes it so nice, is we're both reporting right to, to General Mankey, and he has the same message for both of us. He doesn't treat us any different. I'm Air, he's Army. We're both E-9s in his world, and he relies on us to take care of his enlisted corps, both Army and Air.
0: And I would imagine then— um, you know, it's not just enlisted side. So now you've got to still develop some of those relationships with our officers yep. uh, because they're the ones that put the plans together. Right. But you've got to go execute. Right. So who are some of the other key stakeholders, uh, Sergeant Major Whitehead, that you are working with on a a daily basis or a regular basis anyway to help move initiatives forward in the Army?
3: The the main one for me is uh, Chief of Staff, Colonel Sharkey. You know, he is – I mean, I talk to him daily as well uh, as we come in. We have our touch points daily just to kind of make sure that – I'm working with officers, but when it comes to the moves as you know we look at you know the organization what's best for organization, keeping that officers involved because at the end of the day, as you just said, doug, I mean they're the decision makers, so being able to have that direct link to the chief of staff has been a huge thing for me to make sure that i'm actually getting the input from the officers as we develop the plan to make sure I understand their intent as well so we can come up with a good course of action as we move forward.
0: Great. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the priorities that you guys have in place uh, moving forward for the Minnesota National Guard. We're speaking with Command Sergeant Major Whitehead and Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson, both of the Minnesota National Guard. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host today, Doug Wortham, and in the studio with me is Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson and Command Sergeant Major Stephan Whitehead, both senior leaders inside the Minnesota National Guard. Um, Again, we're having some great conversation, and I wish we had a lot more time to go over some things. Um, But I want to get into, um, and I'll start with you, Chief organizational priorities. Uh, we know the adjutant general sets the priorities. Um, we know that uh, you have a responsibility to, to go out and take care of the health, morale, the welfare of our soldiers and our airmen. But you also have to promote and move those priorities forward, right? Because we want, as an organization, to succeed. So yep. what are the priorities uh, that you're working on right now?
2: Well, Doug, I would say, you know, we always say people first. People first is the number one priority. And I think Command Sergeant Rain- Rains. uh, uh, kind of tasked us and said, what does that mean? What do people first really, when you say that, what do you really mean? And one of the policies that we've just rolled out that I think uh, Command Sergeant Major Whitehead and I are just so proud of the group that put this together was the P3 policy. So it's the parenthood, pregnancy, and postpartum policy that is coming out. Um, it's being driven down from higher levels, but we ha- there was a team at Joint Force Headquarters that worked on this for a long time to get it right and get it out, and it really is taking care of our soldiers and our airmen. We're getting after those things that 20 years ago we couldn't do for them, and now we're really offering them and affording them the flexibility that they need during that time of their career where they want to start uh, start a family, and they need some accommodations to do that. I mean, we're talking about time uh, time away while you're doing your fertility treatments, time will you have the child, time while your wife has the child, all of those things are encompassed in this one policy. So I think he, Command uh, Sergeant Major Whitehead and I, really have our work in front of us that we need to get out and get that message out so that the message is received and, and sent out in a right, correct way and with dignity and respect to those that are going through this because it's not always something people want to talk about, but it's really an important thing. I look back on my career for 20 years ago or 30 years ago when I was having kids, I had 6 weeks off and I was back in the office, I was back working on the on the engines of the jet. I didn't get much much more than that. And then I was ready, I had to take my physical fitness test 12 weeks after having yeah. a baby. Now it's I mean we've we've learned so much in, the, in these last 30 years that it's nice to roll out a policy that I personally can look at and say Wow, this is amazing for our soldiers and our airmen.
0: And Command Sergeant Major Reigns is the new Command Senior Enlisted Leader for the National Guard yeah. at National Guard Bureau, right? Yeah, and he
2: really challenged you, like, what do you mean when you say people first? It's very cliché just to say that. Yeah. And I hope as we get our message out, as uh, Command Sergeant Major Whitehead and I get out in front of our airmen and soldiers, they truly see that when we're talking about people first, we mean it. My soul is fed by uh, being in front of soldiers and airmen, and that's what, that's what will make this job go well, is if they can hear our message and they know it's genuine.
0: And uh, Command Sergeant Major uh, what other priorities then for the organization um, are you guys uh, really concentrating on? I mean, I understand the people first comment that mm-hmm. uh, the chief made, but um, there's more to it than that, obviously. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You've got a big machine in front of you with the Army.
3: <laughs> we really do. Uh, I'll tell you, we've also talked about, you know, the recruiting and retention piece and how important that is because it goes right along with the Agent General's mission as well. So me, getting after that retention, you know, we've really been... We've always focused on it, but we've been able to always recruit, you know, a little easier uh, in the past than we have now. So that retention piece to go along with the the difficulties that we have when it comes to recruiting. So getting out there, and talking to our, uh, our traditional soldiers, as well as our full-time soldiers, and make sure that they understand they are important to us, that they are part of a big family here, and that we need them in our formation. So spending the time to listen to their struggles and the things that they're challenging, you know, with their civilian life or their family life, and being sure that they, we hear them, but also come up with how, maybe some ideas how we can work with them to keep them in the formation as we go down the path.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously um, the days of out-recruiting retention losses or attrition um, are, are gone. Yeah. Um, But we still have a great and tremendous recruiting force inside the Minnesota Guard, both Army and Air. Yes. Um, But we know that people leave the formation for different reasons. And to your point, uh, the only way you're going to find out what those reasons are is if you get out Away from the desk, right? We talked yeah. about this. Chair. push yourself
2: away from the desk. Get
0: away from the desk and go to where your soldiers and your airmen are, so you can talk to them and actually show that genuine care and concern to them.
3: Right, absolutely, and, and that's, our, that's our that's a goal. You know, we're going to be spending a lot of time at Camp Ripley this year, and our, we actually just talked about it this morning about you know having the housing up there because we plan to be out there with the soldiers when they're doing their annual training or they're just a, tr- a traditional drill weekend. We want to be out there with them. But then the other piece about it, it also comes with the leadership development, which is another thing that's very important to me. The career mapping and making sure that our soldiers understand the path in front of them. If they want to become the next command sergeant major of the state, how to get there and what they have to do, we want to spend that time with that soldier to make sure that they truly understand what they need to do.
0: And and that leads me to the next question. I'll start with you. Um, Goals for your three-year assignment, um, what kind of goals do you personally have um, in this position uh, as it relates to uh, the Army National Guard?
3: You know, coming from the traditional guardsman, uh, being a leader at the division, you know, one thing that's really important to me is a career mapping. You know, that's one of the goals I have with the M-Day, but also with the AGR. I'll go back to, you know, Doug, when you were the State Command Senior listed Advisor for the states, you know, understanding that the AGR is part of our force, knowing what's their career look like because we without that full-time force we will struggle because they do they have such a heavy lift i want to make sure that i fully understand what their goals and objectives are and make sure that our leaders understand that as well so i'm really trying to get after that again to kind of get back to make sure that the AGRs are part of our retention piece as well.
0: Yeah, that talent management, right? Put the yep, right, absolutely. as some people would say, the right seats or right butts in the right seats or mm-hmm. whatever it was, something like that. Mm-hmm. So yep. Extremely important. So what about you, Chief? Um, I, I know that you listed off some of your goals last time we talked, yep. but why don't you remind us a little bit about uh, the goals, the things that you're working towards in your tenure?
2: Well, he touched on retention and uh, as one of his uh, priorities. And one of my goals is really getting our recruiting, both Air and Army, to be working together. There's a lot of things we can collaborate on, and it's a change of paradigm. But I'm, we're going to work on it. We're really working on it to make sure that our recruiters, whether they're out there for the air or the army, they're they're sending the right message, and we're bringing the right people to our to our uh, service. Um, one of my other goals really is just to get to know as much as I can about the Army and keep the Air Force a big viable part of the messaging as well. Just this last uh, evening yesterday, we were up at Camp Ripley, and the third's contingency response flight was out there in the woods. And of course, we walked out there to visit with them. But that was, it, it's part of this whole Arctic Council that thing that is moving forward, and Being there with those airmen and seeing how excited they were to have all these senior leaders from around the region come and see what they're doing. It's a new mission. They're doing great things with it. That's the kind of stuff that we want to keep right, right in front of us. We want to make sure that the airmen and soldiers know that we are there for them. We have their back and and we'll go and find them. They don't need to come find us. We'll go find them and they'll hear our message. And that's really our goal is to, my goal is to get to as many touch points as I can with both the air and army.
0: And the great thing about that is when you meet with those soldiers, with those airmen, and you ask them about what it is they're doing, they love sharing because there's a lot of pride in Mm -hmm. wearing this uniform and uh, doing the jobs that they do, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, we only have like less than two minutes here, um, and so I'll uh, I'll go to you, Command Sergeant Major Whitehead. What kind of messaging do you have or would you like to convey to the enlisted force inside of the Army National Guard, Minnesota Army National Guard?
3: I really want to make sure the enlisted soldiers, but all soldiers, understand that they are extremely important to us and that we do understand that the struggles that they're going through in their personal life, their careers, their families and all that, we are a traditional— Guards unit. We we get that. We have other jobs and stuff like that. But we want to hear what their struggles are. So if we can make changes, we want to hear about it. We can't assume that we know what all the different things are. So if there's things going on there, they need to come up through the channels and let people know what they're dealing with. So we can look and see how we can maybe make changes where we can to make sure we're trying to take care of everybody.
0: Yeah, perfect. And 30 seconds, Chief. Uh, what's your message to the entire enlisted force?
2: The entire enlisted force. There are a ton of resources out there for you. If you find yourself in a position where you think you need to reach out to one of those resources, please do. We have them there for a reason. Those resources weren't there 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We've learned our lesson, and that's when we say we care about you. This is why we're putting our money into all of these resources. Both the Air and the Army have equal access to these resources, so please utilize these resources. We only want you serving when it's in the best interest of you.
0: Yeah, great uh, great messaging. And, and of course, um, if anybody is out there that is interested in putting on this uniform, wearing the uniform, serving their country, I know that both of you would wholeheartedly agree come and check out the Minnesota National Guard Army and Air. They can find a home in either organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us in the studio today. We've been speaking with Command Sergeant Major Stephan Whitehead and also Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson, both senior leaders in the Minnesota National Guard. Uh, we appreciate you. You guys have a great rest of the day. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Doug Wortham. In a moment, we're going to hear about the Veterans Village proposal in Richfield. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Larry Herkey.
4: Are you or do you know a veteran at risk or experiencing homelessness? Are you a veteran having difficulties functioning in your daily life, due to your health, a disability, or problems with substance abuse? Are these difficulties limiting your ability to work so much that it's impacting your life and your family? If so, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs can help you through a program called SOAR. SOAR is changing the lives of at-risk veterans and helping them to access sustainable income and stable housing by applying for federal funds available through the Social Security Administration. Social Security disability benefits can help cover housing costs, assist with needed health care, as well as helping make ends meet over veterans and their families. A SOAR representative will handle everything from preparing the paperwork to assisting with the appeals, representing the veterans through the entire process, and all at no cost. For more information about the SOAR program or to refer someone, call 1-888-LINKVET.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Joining us in the studio now is Elwin Tinklenberg. Elwin earned his undergraduate degree at the University of Minnesota Duluth, completed his Master of Divinity at United Theological Seminary of the Twin Cities. He served as a United Methodist minister in Blaine, Minnesota from 1977 to 1986 before being elected to the Blaine City Council and then mayor of Blaine. He was appointed Minnesota Transportation Commissioner in 1998, and he is now the lead project representative for the Minneapolis Richfield American Legion Post 435's proposed. Veterans Village, Mixed-Use Development in Richfield, Minnesota. L, that's a mouthful, but
5: welcome <laughs> to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Doug. It's great to be with you.
0: Yeah, you know, this is just such an interesting topic. Um, as I was preparing for the show and reading through the information about the American Legion Post 435, um, I just thought it was really fascinating. So I'd like to have you kind of give us a, a rundown about Where we were at, um, you know, with the post, kind of what the post standing is now and why there's this proposal for this village. So what's going on with Post 435?
5: Well, first, let me say that the post is very much alive, uh, but they were concerned, as so many posts are, with uh, declining membership, uh, with a large building that needed extensive repairs. And how they were going to finance that, and they, they didn't want to just kind of slowly fade away. They wanted to maintain the kind of vibrant and dynamic uh, place that they've had in the community since 1927. I mean, it's been there for 96 years, and it's meant so much to members, to veterans, to the community, that they wanted to make sure that that, that heritage was maintained. And uh, so looking at the issues they were facing, they were trying to figure out what's the future for us? What can we make of our future? And uh, they came up with this idea, this vision for housing for veterans to use their site, redevelop that site uh, as a rental housing community that would provide uh for veterans a priority for veterans housing and as you heard uh, commissioner herkey say housing issues for veterans is a is a big issue we all are facing and uh and also provide affordable housing in the community both for veterans and other community members who need uh housing uh at a reduced cost and uh, so that was kind of the vision and then to incorporate within that veterans village office space and conference space for the post itself, and then community gathering places. There's a banquet facility, for example, that's, uh, that's incorporated into the design of the village, as well as a restaurant that would be privately operated, but would provide facilities for the community.
0: And that the location's kind of in a, a premier location there in richfield isn't it?
5: oh, it's absolutely incredible. I mean it's surrounded by the park uh, on the north side of the site the The east side of the site is the ice arenas that the city has built. The south side of the site is this incredible uh water park uh, with water slides and a, and a large pool uh it's just a remarkable site there's nothing like it in the twin Cities.
0: and so what a great opportunity then to take um, this Older building and uh, and repurpose it, redesign, and then create an environment where uh, one we can provide some housing to veterans. Right, you can have that veterans preference uh, for for the housing, but then some additional gathering space and maybe kind of even rejuvenate or revive post 435's existence in that area.
5: Exactly, and and that was a major part of of uh, the consideration of the post leadership, and uh, and it's. It's been great timing in that the post has terrific leadership right now, and and that really is focused on what their future can be in the community. And uh, this vision uh, captures that uh, as a way of moving the post forward, not just uh, slowly but dynamically, and providing service to the community. As you know, service is so much a part of the the culture and character of of the Legion Post. Uh, and this allows them to maintain that and continue that into the future and it's going to be a a, a resource for the for the entire community, not just for the members uh, but for the entire community the, uh, the post has a large garage on the site that is full of documents that talk about the contributions that they have made to volunteer groups and charitable groups in the community over all of those years of their existence. And they want to keep that uh, a vibrant part of their mission in the community.
0: Again, you know, when I was doing the the research, I saw the diagrams, the drawings, the uh, uh, conceptual designs, if you will. And um, it, it looks like a great and fantastic and a big project, a huge undertaking. So how could or would something like this be funded?
5: Well, the funding is is a complicated part of the process. Uh, first of all, the, the Post realized that if it was going to get other partners to work with them, they had to step up first. And so they committed their land, and it's a valuable piece of land that they own at that site. And so they committed that to the project. Uh, Then we went to others looking at ways in which we could help finance and subsidize the cost of the, the facility, especially if we were going to do affordable housing. That adds a dynamic cost dimension to the project. And so we were talking with the city, and the city has been very supportive of looking at various techniques, techs. Uh, abatement techniques or our tax increment financing techniques that can help support it. We've got bills in front of the legislature as well during this session that would help uh, provide uh, grant money to the project to, to enable us to move it forward. And then we're working uh, with the idea of uh, housing and urban development, a HUD loan guarantee that would help support uh, private sector investment in into the project and the kind of mortgage financing that would ne- would be necessary to make the whole project come together. Uh, we're confident that without that kind of support, we can put the project. But as you said, it's a very large project. It's approximately sixty eight million dollars. Uh, it uh, includes. 195 uh, uh, apartment units uh, that will be a part of it. Plus, as I said, that banquet facility, the restaurant, the offices and conference space for the post. So it's a a very, very large, very complex, but very dynamic uh, project.
0: And so the existing post building is there on site. So the project would be a complete tear down redo to rebuild the entire thing. If you were able to put shovel and ground tomorrow. How long do you think this project would take?
5: If we started tomorrow, it would take about 18 months to build. Uh, Part of the reason I was invited to be a part of this, and I'm just incredibly grateful to have been asked uh, and honored to have been asked, is because I'm part of a group that's building apartment buildings in the Twin Cities area. And uh, a partner of mine, uh, someone that I've worked with now for a number of years, uh, has been involved in the construction of rental housing and all all sorts of housing for thirty years, and knows the industry well. And uh, so, we believe that this represents the kind of opportunity that can serve all of those interests, uh, the needs for the community as well as the needs for for the post and the, and the veterans.
0: Perfect. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about maybe some of the barriers that you're facing right now, uh, what the status is of the proposal, and uh, and then more importantly, talk about how it is that people can uh, can help this initiative moving forward. Uh, we've been speaking with uh, Al Tinklinberg. Uh, this is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Doug Wortham, and we've been speaking with – Elwin Tinklenberg, and he is the lead project representative for the Minneapolis-Richfield American Legion Post 435's proposed Veterans Village mixed-use development out in Richfield, Minnesota. So, El, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the funding, and uh, it's a pretty big project, about $68 million worth. Um, what what kind of uh, barriers are you kind of running into right now, if there is any, other than funding? But are there any other barriers that are preventing this project from moving
5: forward? No, really, it's it's the funding issue that uh, that is the biggest barrier. Uh, with the change in interest rates, as the Fed was increasing the interest rates over the last several months, it's had a dramatic in, impact on uh, the ability of the Post to borrow the money that's necessary to help make this project go. And so the result has been that we've needed to increase the requests that we've made to the legislature. We were originally looking at a need for about $5 million, and we have The bills that have been introduced this year now are about $10 million to help us close that gap. And so that's really been the big issue. But but we feel that this represents not just an opportunity for Richfield Post 435, that this can be a model for how other posts uh, around the state can help support their operations and their continuation in their communities. A lot of posts are facing this, diminishing uh, membership, uh, the lack of resources, and looking for ways to survive and to continue to serve. And we think this is an opportunity to show a model for how that can happen, how you can continue to your operation, but also serve the community in terms of housing and support for veterans and the community itself. And so we think this is a good investment uh, that the state can make and the community can make uh, in supporting this kind of project as a model for what can happen and what these posts can do.
0: And I would imagine that the uh, city of Richfield, uh, for the most part, the residents are all for uh, putting something like this together.
5: Absolutely. And we've had great support from the community, from the mayor and members of the council, from city staff. They, again, see this as a huge resource for the community and recognize and celebrate all of the years of service that the post has provided in the community and to a variety of community groups.
0: So if the uh, funding comes through, then that leads me to believe that the status of this proposal then is going to move forward and and, uh, you'll be able to start locking in contracts and and get this thing moving.
5: Absolutely. We've started putting together some of the pricing of the various components of the construction uh, and, uh, and looking at how to move quickly once those resources are in place. Uh, we're hoping that we can get a decision, especially from the legislature, fairly early in the session. Uh, we've gotten great support there, great support. We've got terrific chief authors on the bills, uh, and great support from the veterans community. And so, we're hopeful that this can move forward quickly, and and we can be under construction. Our guys are a lot of our guys are older, and they're they're saying, "Get started here. I want to move in."
0: Yeah. Well, I, I can uh, tell that you have a lot of passion uh, for this project, and uh, and hopefully. Uh, we can get it to move forward, which brings me to my last question here in this you know minute or so that we have left together. Um, what can our listening audience do to support the initiative of Pulse 435 to get this project moving. I mean, other than money, is is that it? Is that the only way? Are there other things that they can do?
5: Oh, no. uh, Support is really important. And recognizing that this can be a model for other communities around the state, that broad statewide support is such an important component. Get in touch with the legislators. Go to the website, uh, wwwveteransvillage four thirty five dot com uh, get informed about the project and uh, and be a part of its support structure around the state that's the most important thing
0: and you know we don't talk politics on the show but knowing that there's a decent size uh, surplus in the budget right now this might be a great opportunity uh, to strike while the iron's hot so to speak and, and get some of this funding secured so that this project can move forward.
5: Agreed, yes. We think it's a great opportunity, and it checks some of the major boxes that the legislature is looking at in terms of affordable housing, but also in terms of veteran issues for the state.
0: And so, again, that's veteransvillage435.com. That's where the listening audience go to get more information and and provide any support that uh, is needed, monetarily or otherwise. Yep. Al, thanks so much for uh, sharing the story about this uh, project. I hope that uh, you get a little bit more uh, push after, uh, you know, this segment airs. And uh, just appreciate you coming and sharing about Post 435.
5: Thank you so much. We appreciate it.
0: That was Al Tinklenberg, the uh, consultant for Post 435's Veterans Village. Joining us now from the Minnesota Patriot Guard is Tim Leonhardt. Tim, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. And tell me, how are things going out there on the flag line?
6: Oh, thank you. And it's always an honor to be here. Um, it's going good, a little bit slow. You know, people are, you know, a little worried about uh, motorcycles in the winter. And we come in our cages, in our cars, in our trucks, in our snowmobiles, whatever it takes to get there.
0: All right. So, what you're telling me is that. Uh you know that the cold isn't going to stop you if there's no. a uh, a person out there that's looking for the patriot guard to participate in some type of an event um you know honoring our fallen heroes in particular uh oh, yeah. just make that request and you'll be out there
6: yes yep just have them, you know just just go to mnpatriotguard.org on the left side it says uh, invite the patriot guard and we'll we'll make our arrangements to be, to be there
0: you know, I can understand why there might be a concern. You know, obviously, it's cold, and, um, you know, it's great to hear that it will still come out or you'll still come out, whether it's uh, in a motorcycle, if possible, or, or, you know, get in one of your cages, as you say. Um, but generally, um, you know, th- this time of year, because of the weather, uh, things are a little bit slower. What uh, what time of the year are you guys just really hitting it hard? Is that pretty Ooh. much just that July time frame, the, the summertime, or... Um, or are you you really have some good events going generally year round. Yeah,
6: yeah, we do. You know every you know every month we have the vet home visits and things like that. That's a that's an ongoing, and then we also you know there's deployments and, and welcome homes and and other events that that we'll uh, attend. Most of them, are, a lot of them, are, are when it's better weather. You know, they like to see the motorcycles come. They like to see, you know, the Patriot Guard come out and 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 show up and and we 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 will come whether we're in our cages or which is a car or a truck, you know, or whatever means we can get there, that's we we want we want to honor our, our
0: fallen heroes. And, Tim, uh, you were telling me that uh, you've been involved with the Minnesota Patriot Guard since about 2006. And, yep. I mean, that, that's a long time. Um, I don't do public math, but I know that that's more than 10 years. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> So, rough idea. How many events do you think you've participated in?
6: Oh, it, it's, it's thousands. It's in okay. the thousands.
0: And is there any particular event over those thousands of events that you've gone to, is there anything in particular that really just stands out for you, one event or just in general uh, when you go to uh, the Patriot Guard events?
6: Well, two. One of them is, uh, is the um, welcome homes. I just love to see the welcome homes when the soldiers all come home and they get off the bus and their families are there waiting and they're all dressed up and the little kids and some of the little kids you can tell that they're they're newborns and, and the, the the father hasn't even seen them yet, you know. And to watch those those people get off the uh, you know meet their their loved ones as they get off the bus, it's it's like watching a movie and seeing the the soldiers coming home from 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 war. It's it's just an awesome sight. And and we always we always say we don't wear sunglasses just because it's sunny because we don't want people to see the tears in our eyes when we see that happiness and all that e- excitement that's happening. You know, that's one of them. The other one is, I, I ran a mission one time up in Dayton, Minnesota, and this family, um, it was an MIA, MIA, Missing in Action, and he had been missing for 66 years. And this family celebrated his not coming home every year for 66 years. Every year they would get together and honor Harry Badar. and they 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 had a they had memorabilia that they would set up, and the family would come there. They'd bring their friends, and he finally came home, and it was it was it was a most awesome mission because this family. The, the, his immediate family had all passed away and his his nieces and nephews were carrying it on. So this family was was waiting for Harry to come home for 66 years and and I was I was so honored to be there among these people that remembered their loved one all that time. They had a, the, his, his, his burial site, was all set up with all his children around him and his wife, and, his, and there were flowers on it waiting for him to come home.
0: What an my, amazing, my heart uh, heart what an amazing oh. opportunity to be there for that. And, oh, and I can see was. how, uh, you know, having been on the other side coming home, it's always a joyous occasion, right, to come home and see your loved ones waiting for you yeah. uh, when you get off of that bus. Uh, Tim, we just have uh, 10 seconds. So okay. tell me, how can people get more information about the uh, Patriot Garden?
6: If you just go to our website, and it's mnpatriotguard.org, and uh, we have a ton of information on there. You just browse through it. We have calendars. We have information. We have the, the whole member's information. It gives you all our safety, and all, all,
0: everything we have is there. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Tim. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I appreciate you joining us on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. We would love to hear from you. If you have a topic suggestion, if you have some show feedback, or if you're a Minnesota veteran and would like to share your story, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com and click on Contact Us to send us a note. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Tim Leonhardt, Elwin Tinklenberg, Command Sergeant Major Stefan Whitehead, Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson, Commissioner Larry Herkey of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week when we will discuss heart health opportunities at the Minneapolis VA. We'll get an update from Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and we'll also get an update from the Command Senior Enlisted Leader of the Minnesota National Guard. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Doug Wortham. I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I hope you have a great week and find a way to make a positive impact on someone's life.
1: Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, Media, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.